Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Great Loop Radio, brought to you by America's Great Loop Cruisers Association. We're dedicated to sharing Great Loop information and inspiration with those actively cruising, planning for, or dreaming about a Great Loop adventure. This is Kim Russo. I'm the director of AGLCA. Today, we are welcoming back two um, frequent and popular guests on our show, Captains Chris and Elise Caldwell with Captain Chris Yacht Services. And uh, we are coming to you live, which is unusual these days. We typically pre-record this. But if you are listening to us at 10 a.m. on February 24th, we are coming to you live. And you can call in with your questions for Chris and Elise. The guest call-in number is 877 497 1815. So feel free to call with your questions and we'll get you on live with Chris and Elise. Um, and of course, this will be recorded and archived with all of our episodes. So if you're listening at, listening at another time, um, you won't be able to call in with the questions, but you'll be able to get all of the information that Chris and Elise are about to share. And the, the topic today, we're calling it, What Color Is Your Engine Oil? And we're going to talk about uh, the engine oil and some of the other fluids that you should be checking and what to look for. Before we jump into that topic, though, I do want to take a moment to recognize and thank our Admiral-level sponsors who support AGLCA at the highest level. They are Curtis Stokes & Associates, Dog River Marina, Passage Maker Trawler Fest, Skipper Bob Publications, United Yacht Sales of the Carolinas, and Waterway Guide Media. As always, we encourage our listeners to support these businesses who support loopers. With that out of the way, Chris and Elise, thank you for joining us again. Welcome back. Good morning. How are you? I am doing very well, thank you. Um, We do have a caller already, but why don't we start with just a quick intro to what we're going to talk about today and how this topic came to be, and then we'll um, we'll take that caller. Terrific, terrific. And the other thing I wanted to remind people about is if you're listening to this uh, after it's been recorded, you can always send us an email to ask Captain Chris, and we will be able to help you out there too. But what what started all of this is that at one of the um, fall rendezvous at Rogersville, we had um, a a looper at at the dock tails pose this question, and I think that it was a very uh, serious question from his part and scary at the same time. And the question was, I hear you guys talking every evening when we get together about when you go down in your engine room and you're checking your fluids and you're doing this and you're doing that, what are you guys doing? Now, the appalled look from everyone was first, but then they said to him, well, how long have you been on the loop? And he said, well, I came down from Michigan, from Lake Michigan. Oh, boy. You really don't know what you're doing in the engine, what you're checking down there. And he said, well, I, I want to know what you guys are doing down there because you seem so you know, determined that every morning you're down there checking stuff. So when they told him, he said, oh, goodness, I feel so relieved, so relieved because my mechanic checked all of that before I left Lake Michigan. <laughs> and he had no uh, concern at all for the fact that months had gone by and he hadn't been checking anything in his engine room. So Chris is going to not only tell you some of the things that you should be checking, but some of the things that you can be looking for and why you should be checking those things. It's more than just your engine oil. Go ahead, Chris. Okay. Well, um, checking fluids, fluids, liquids. So every morning 
when the engine room is cool, since it hasn't run since last evening, go down there and check the usual stuff like the oil in the engine crankcase, the oil or transmission fluid, how much fuel you've got. Look at your fuel filter bowls. If you're fortunate to have see-through bowls, look and see what the color of the diesel fuel looks like. If it's got things like coffee grounds in it or if it's got water in it. If you've got the optional vacuum gauge to put on top of the fuel filter, see if your engine is struggling to suck fuel through a dirty fuel filter. Other things stuck, uh, they're obvious once you've been cruising a while, but what about your propeller shaft seal? Is it leaking an acceptable amount or is it leaking too much? And then, of course, just do a general overview. Look, touch, exhaust systems, raw water pump to see if it's leaking water. Look at your exhaust elbow to see if it's got a little leak in that or if it's got a little rust on it. Just do a general overview of fluids, diesel fuel, drinking water, sewage or black water, cooling systems, fuel systems, lubricating oil, transmission oil. There's probably 20 other things I haven't mentioned, but you've got the idea. And just as a point of reference, there's many of us who are not mechanics, who didn't start out understanding much of what Chris just said. And there are some that are out there that can just about do the basics. So even if you don't know exactly what you're looking for, this is a real um, significant reason to keep a clean engine room because if you've got your engine room nice and clean and you just sit down there every morning and look around, you start to notice if there's a drip here or some rusting there or discoloration, and then you start to understand when things at least don't look like they're supposed to look. Even if you don't know what it is that you're looking at, that's a huge piece is to know how clean and, and organized and tidy everything's supposed to be. Then when something is out of the ordinary, if you are looking at it every day, you have a tendency to be able to catch the, the drip or the beginnings of a problem be, before it becomes a significant problem. And right. something – go ahead. Sorry. I, I was just going to say to kind of um... – be fair to the looper from Michigan. We all learned those things at some point. Most of us hopefully learn it before we travel quite that far. Um, but at some point, all of us didn't know that and kind of learned that along the way. So it's great information. Um, do you want to go ahead and take the call or do you want to continue a little bit with some of the indicators and things to look for first and then, and then see what the caller's question is? Well, let's take the call so he doesn't have to hang on forever, and then we'll proceed okay. after that. All right. Let's go ahead with our first caller. Hello. Welcome to Great Loop Radio. You're on with Chris and Elise Caldwell. Who's this, please? I'm just listening to the show. Okay. Well, thank you for, for calling in. Um, we'll put you back on mute, and if you do have any questions, um, you'll probably have to hang up and dial back in so that we know you have a question, but we'll mute you now and feel free to listen in. Okay, and you have a... Oop, there we go. <laughs> um, for those of you who haven't been listening all that long, we used to do this live all the time, and one of the ways people would call in, or I'm sorry, would listen to uh, the broadcast instead of uh, listening to it through the streaming player is to call in, and you can actually listen on your phone line, so it saves on your data usage if you're out there boating. So that is kind of explaining what that was about. Um, but let's go ahead and continue, Chris, with um, what we should be checking in the engine room. Okay, well, let's let's go very basic from the beginning. 
And forgive me for bringing in corporate terminology, but track and trend. That's something that you want to start doing aboard your boat. Not only the log book of your engine hours, how far you've gone, how fast you've gone, and what ports of call, but track and trend. Let's look at the dipstick on the engine, the lubricating oil in the crankcase. If it's full today, if it's full tomorrow, if it's full the next day, and then it starts to go down a little bit, and then you have to start to analyze. Why is it going down? Am I burning some oil? Am I dripping some oil? Of course, the drips would be obvious, and the burn may or may not be obvious. Then the next day it goes down a little bit more, the next day it goes down a little bit more, and then you add some, so you can manage your dipstick like that. The other thing, track and trend on your dipstick, let's say it's full today, it's full tomorrow, and then it's a little bit more than full. And then the next day, a little bit more, more than full. Pardon the grammar. But you get the idea. The oil is increasing on the dipstick. So a couple of things. Number one, are you reading the dipstick horizontally or, or are you bending it uphill and the oil runs down, which is not correct? Or is the oil level increasing? And if that is the case, now we have to start to put on our thinking hat. Why are we getting more fluid in the crankcase? Is it uh, kind of a chocolate color? If that's true, then you may be leaking water into the oil itself. So the raw water cooling system that goes through the various heat exchangers, and in this case, the lubricating oil cooler or the lubricating oil heat exchanger, may have a defect in one of the welds of the tiny little cooling tubes and it's leaking raw water into the crankcase motor oil and that would give you the appearance of chocolate milk. If that's the case, you need to shut the engine down, stop it, anchor the boat, or come home on the other engine if you have a twin engine or call a towing service like Tow or Towboat US. If you've got water in the oil, you are damaging all of the bearings and the seals on the crankshaft and the pistons and the connecting rods and everything else that needs to be lubricated. That's one problem, and that is just now isolated because you know where that water came from. Get the boat back home or to a marina, call a mechanic or do the work yourself. You'll have to do two things. One replace the lubricating oil heat exchanger. Generally, they're throwaways. They're not repairable. The more horsepower you've got, the more expensive it is. On a Ford Lehman or a Perkins in the 120 to 175 horsepower range, it will be in the neighborhood of $300. And that's a guess. If you're on a 800 horsepower, it may be more expensive in the neighborhood of $700, $800. But the fact is, it's a throwaway item. You cannot repair it. That's the easy part. The next part is you have to change the oil in the engine two and three and four times to get all of the water in the oil out of the engine. So you have to change the oil in the engine, and there's a couple of backyard shade tree mechanic tricks but they're not authorized or approved by diesel engine manufacturers, so I won't go into detail. 
But if you've got some guy next door or somebody that you grew up grew up with, let him tell you those tricks. But the point is you need to change the oil often enough to get all of the water out of the oil of the engine. So that's the chocolate milk. The next thing, if your oil is increasing on the dipstick, then keep on looking, keep on looking. And, again, we have to go with the tried-and-true sniff and taste test. And, yes, Chris does taste the oil. Not something I would recommend, <laughs> but he does it. <laughs> well, if you're a mechanic, I grew up working on everything my whole life, but uh, dirty oil smells dirty. It's black. Dirty oil tastes dirty. It tastes like burnt carbon, like charcoal. But if you've got tiny bubbles in your oil and it smells like diesel fuel and it tastes like diesel fuel, it is diesel fuel. So you can follow that story if it walks like a duck, okay? So where did the diesel come from that got into your motor oil? Usually, on most of the older traditional engines, before we started computerizing engines, the diesel fuel can enter your lubricating oil through one of two different routes. One route is the fuel lift pump that is camshaft driven, and that's what jerks up and down and up and down and up and down and pulls the fuel from the fuel tank through the fuel filter to the engine, and then it pushes it into the engine's fuel filter and then into the, uh, the injection system. That's not where the water's coming from. The water might be coming from the diaphragm where this pump goes up and down and up and down and up and down, there's a rubber disc, and that disc can have a pinhole leak in it. And because fuel is being pumped through that fuel lift pump, it's sucking on one side and pushing or pressurized on the other side. Because of the pressure, it can force some of that fuel into the crankcase that's lubricating the camshaft that's causing the lift pump to go up and down in the pumping action. So the simple cure there is buy a new lift pump. It takes one gasket, usually two or three bolts. It's an easy change. You've got a fuel tube in, a fuel tube out. If you've never done it in your life, it might take you two hours. If you've done it once or twice before, it might take you 30 minutes. So the other way that diesel fuel may enter into your engine is another lubricated shaft, which is the shaft that turns the fuel injector pump. So everything is on a timing basis. So every time your crankshaft turns one RPM, your fuel lift pump will move and your fuel injector pump will also move. So you've got uh, rubber gaskets, O-rings, seals, oil seals. Any of those can be worn out tired, violated, and that would allow diesel fuel to go into your crankcase motor oil. So if it's your injector pump, call a mechanic. There's more and more and more involved in that that you don't want to tackle if you've never done it in your life. So keep in mind, if your oil is rising, see the water going in there or diesel fuel going in there. If your oil is falling down, decreasing in size, then you're actually dripping it or burning it. 
And looking at the clock, it might be time for our, our halftime break. Yeah, let's take a, a quick break and play a message from one of our sponsors. I do want to give the call-in number again. If there is anyone with questions, you can call 877-497-1815 and ask your question directly to Chris and Elise. And we will be back in a moment after this message from one of our sponsors. Good morning, loopers. Many of you are probably already cruising in southeastern waters, and that is where the Salty Southeast Cruises Net focuses all of its efforts to help you enjoy your time on the water. So as you prepare for the next leg of your journey and as your resource for accurate, timely, and useful information, we want to invite you to use and add your knowledge to the wealth of information that's available through the Cruisers Net in its directories for marinas, bridges, and anchorages, as well as the latest fuel prices in your area. Our mission of Cruisers Helping Cruisers May we invite you to help those following in your wake by sharing with us your cruising experiences. Thank you. Have a great day. We're back on Great Loop Radio. Our guests today are Captains Chris and Elise Caldwell with Captain Chris Yacht Services. We are coming to you live today. If you're listening at uh, 10 a.m., we started at 10 a.m. Eastern on February 24th, then you can call in with your questions. The number is 877 1815. And if you're listening to this recorded in our archives, Elise, why don't you give the email address where people can send their questions? You can send it to chris at askcaptainchris.com. All right. Very simple. Um, to jump back into the topic at hand, uh, Chris, are we ready to move on to transmission fluid? Yes, that's next. All so right. Let's we've go. Talked about the, we've talked about the lubricating oil on the engine itself. Now let's talk about the lubricating oil and the transmission. Transmission fluid, sometimes it may also be 30-weight motor oil for some brands of transmissions. Most other brand transmissions use ATF, automatic transmission fluid, which happens to be reddish in color. If you've just bought a boat and you read the books about the transmission, it says use Dextron 2, they don't make that anymore. So you might try Dextron 3. They don't make that anymore. So now use the next Dextron, which is a chemical make of ATF. The most important thing to keep in mind is we also have a transmission cooler that's cooled by the same raw water pump that cools the coolant, antifreeze, the engine lubricating oil, the exhaust system, and the turbocharger. That same raw water is also cooling the transmission fluid, and it's called a transmission cooler or a gear cooler. The transmission is actually a reduction gear, and in slang, it's called a gear cooler. So just like the engine oil cooler, if you have a small leak in the gear cooler, you can do one of two things. And everybody argue it only goes one way, but the truth is, Depending on how uh, unlucky you are, it can go this way or that way. Prime example, sometimes if your oil cooler has a leak in it, the transmission fluid can go out the oil cooler and out your exhaust pipe on the back of the boat, leaving an oily sheen on the water. Then check your transmission fluid. If it's going down, going down, going down, there's no obvious drip inside the boat, then it's clear it's going out the exhaust pipe buy a new 
gear cooler or transmission cooler and install it. That is easy to do. The worst case is if the gear cooler is leaking water into the transmission. If that's the case, the oil level or the ATF level will actually rise on the dipstick. And if you're using oil in your transmission, it will look like chocolate milk, just like the engine. But most boats have ATF, automatic transmission fluid, that's strawberry red. And if it gets water in it, it will look like a strawberry milkshake, real creamy, reddish color. Stop using that transmission because you are not lubricating it the way you should. So the problem with the transmission, if you get water in it, the best fix is to take it out. And that's not easy, and that's not fun. You have to push the propeller shaft back. You have to disconnect the transmission, jack the engine up, and slide the transmission back seven inches to get it off the bolts. And then the small ones on a 130-horsepower Ford diesel weigh 150 pounds. you got to get it out of the boat. Then you got to take it to a transmission shop and get it fixed and reverse the procedure. So there's a lot of work done in that. So ultimately, if you have a suspect of a cooler leaking, I would recommend that you take it off, go to a radiator shop that works on boat heat exchangers, have them clean it and pressure test it and certify it and give it back to you. So those are the two things that you need to worry about, transmissions and lubricating oil in the engine and mostly the water will come in through the cooling system, heat exchanger, or diesel fuel may come in through the shaft on the injector pump or the diaphragm on the lift pump. And now let's go to buying your boat. Everybody knows when you buy a boat that you want to hire a surveyor. Well, there's actually different kinds of surveyors, and you usually just hire what's called a boat surveyor. But you can also hire an independent engine surveyor that will do your propulsion engines, one or both, transmissions, and the generator. And in either case, which surveyor you hire, they can take an oil sample, send it off, and have it analyzed in a laboratory. So think of yourself. You go to the doctor and you get a blood test, and they tell you everything you need to know by reading your blood test. Well, the engine mechanic can do the same thing by taking the oil analysis sample and tell you if you've got water in it, if you've got diesel fuel in it, if you've got copper in it, if you've got sodium in it. And all of these different chemicals or metals can tell you that there's a particular problem within the engine that you may need to investigate further before purchasing the boat. And the best thing to keep in mind after you buy the boat continue your oil analysis back to the top of the show we talked about track and trend so while you're doing the loop 6,000 miles, 7,000 miles 12 months, 24 months you can analyze track and trend and hopefully predict the health of your engine along the cruise all right so that answers the question, um, what are we checking on that daily morning engine check before we um, leave the dock or leave the anchorage? Any other thoughts or tips on that daily check? 
Well, it's just good to know your engine room, know what's going on, and if you've never owned a boat before or if you're not mechanically inclined, it's good that you attend a maintenance seminar, do-it-yourself maintenance seminar, and a lot of places offer those classes, including ourselves. We offer a two-day class, everything from the bow to the stern and in between, but it's good that you need to know how to do average owner maintenance. Change your rubber impeller on the raw water pump. Change the fuel filter because when you're looping, you might be in a beautiful, serene, quiet, secluded place. And after hearing all that, then you think, well, where do I get a mechanic to come help me? So you want to be able to do these simple chores yourself. And another subject for another radio show would be smoke. What color is the smoke coming out of the back of your engine, out of the back of your boat? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we'll save that one for another time. We'll definitely have you back to talk about the color of the smoke. Um, before we wrap up, uh, Chris and Elise and I will all be speaking at Trawler Fest um, in Stewart, Florida next week. Um, Chris and Elise, off the top of your head, because I know you're presenting several times, but can you tell us um, what you're presenting and when next week? Sure. Um, on um, Tuesday, we're going to be presenting Provisioning with Pros, and it'll we'll talk for uh, two hours about all the different types of things you want to consider to bring along with you on the boat. Uh, think, people think about food when they think about provisioning, but we talk about way more than that. Um, that's at 8.30 on Tuesday morning, and then at uh, 10.45 Tuesday morning, we'll be doing cruising uh, tips from uh, couples cruising. So as we've traveled together all over all the years that we've traveled together, we've certainly learned some things that worked and maybe some things that haven't worked for us. So we'll share those <laughs> kinds of things. Then on Wednesday, this is going to be fun. On Wednesday, we split up Elise's with the ladies' rounds table, admiral's rounds table. And then on Wednesday, I am doing dinghies and outboards. So we'll talk about the different type of dinghies. And the second half of this two-hour seminar, I've got a friend of mine, Marty Milley, coming in from M&M Marine Services in Fort Pierce. He's going to take a carburetor apart, put it back together, and show you how to do it in case that's of interest to you. We'll talk about other things on the outboard engines, but we'll be getting in the nitty-gritty with the outboards, again, for owner maintenance, do-it-yourself maintenance on your dinghy outboard motor. And then if you missed us at any of the Looper Rendezvous where we presented uh, about cruising to the Bahamas, we are going to be doing a Bahamas talk on Thursday. Uh, Friday afternoon and Saturday afternoon we'll be doing a couple of other things. Uh, Fuel filters on Friday afternoon and uh, inflatable life jackets on Saturday afternoon. And, Kim, we don't want to steal your limelight. When is <laughs> well, it's going to be seminar? a very busy week for the two of you. I'm just doing one on the Great Loop, of course, 
um, and that is Wednesday morning. It's a two-hour seminar, so we will cover kind of an introduction and frequently asked questions, and then we'll talk some about planning the Great Loop, and I will have some gold loopers with me as well to talk about their adventure. So if you need more information on Trawler Fest, you can go to the greatloop.org website under events. There is a link that will take you right there. You do have to pre-register for these seminars, um, so take a look at that. And if you have any questions, you can always email me at krusso at greatloop.org. Um, Elise, why don't you give us your email one more time? Well, you can send it to chris at askcaptainchris.com or chris at captainchrisyachtservices.com. Or you can call us, 772-205-1859 and ask Captain Chris. Chris and Elise, thank you for joining us again. We appreciate you sharing all of your knowledge with us. For all, all of our listeners, thank you for listening in and tuning in once again. We'll be back next week with another episode of Great Loop Radio. Until then, safe cruising. Good morning, Bye. Loopers. Thank you. See you next week.